You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us today as we jump into our series on the book of Acts. We'll see the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the followers of Jesus through obstacles, growth, miracles, and joy. The book of Acts is not only the story of those early disciples, it's our story too, a story to be continued. So get ready, God is on the move. Good morning, everyone. And uh, we, uh, I love that trailer, that opening, don't you? Just this whole idea of what we're stepping into. We're stepping into a brand new series. And uh, we've turned the corner in Minnesota at this time of year. There's a new thing called gooder, good, gooder, good or better weather is what I was attempting to say. The idea that things are great, we get to get outside. Don't you love this time of year? And and being able to go out also means the rhythms of life change as school ends and families get outside to do things, uh, a rhythm on a weekend changes, go on trips, do all kinds of things outside. It's a great time of year. And we recognize that as a church family, that you're going to be going through a lot of different moments. You got a vacation planned or some kind of trip and you're going to do different things. But we want you to remain connected to the Emmanuel family. And so uh, we're, we've planned this whole series with you in mind, thinking about what's going to happen. You might have to catch up later by watching last week and this week, and you might connect online, whether you're in Lakeville or Maple Grove or Elk River or Spring Lake Park and our locations, or you're at the lake and you're joining the church family. We want you to remain connected. And as we begin this new series, uh, we want you to think about being in church on Sunday morning, playing that out. It's good for your kids, amen, to be in church. It's not just about you hearing a message. It's also about your kids and their connection to faith and that kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, brand new summer hours in our Lakeville location, they're moving now to 9 and 11 like our other three locations. And, and so whether you're wherever you are, you can join us in any part of the city or join us online. We're super excited about that. Now, this series is going to cover the New Testament book called Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts. And it's really the continuing story of Jesus. It's kind of like a Netflix series in that uh, there's incredible stories, there's episodes uh, with incredible value, but it's more than entertainment. It has internal value. It's actually the living, breathing Word of God, and it's relevant for you today. So I'm super excited as we dump, jump into this that God is going to do something powerful in our lives as we study the Word. Now, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke is the author of Acts. So you need to think about the book of Acts is part two of Luke. It's the continuing story of what Jesus is doing. In fact, it's like Jesus continued, if you will. Jesus is moving forward. And we're going to get right into episode number one here today, Acts chapter one. The title of my message is this, how it started. How many, how it started. We'll get there. Chapter one, verse one, Acts. Here we go. In my first book, Luke says, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once while he was eating with them, he commanded them, 
Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, in this first five verses here, I want you to just catch a couple things, big items. First one is this. There is a story before chapter one. Okay, I just mentioned that there's the whole book of Luke, but I want you to even go beyond that, thinking into the Old Testament. Prior, prior to Acts, there's a whole world of information in the Bible. And if you're new to faith, let me just tell you, this is an amazing book. The overall thing, there's stories wrapped up from the beginning of time in a book called Genesis, all the way through where God was establishing his relationship with humanity. And we discover things like the law or the Torah, which is the way to connect with God, the way to worship his ways to walk in. But by the time you get to the New Testament, it's not just about the lesson, it's about the teacher of the lesson. As we discover Jesus, he is the teacher. And now as we move into the rest of Acts, you need to understand it's, it's got a whole bunch of information in the book of Acts that comes from either the gospel or it comes from the Old Testament. And you'll see it lifted into the stories of each chapter that we look at. It's important for you to understand that. Now, in that story, of course, is Jesus. Jesus is still central in every part of Acts. The story and the gospel of Jesus is a big part of this story. And if you look at the book of Luke, you'll discover that Luke, he was often called Dr. Luke because he so, showed specific things and he was very intent on focusing on facts. He wanted to make sure the facts were correct. And as he walked through Jesus' life in the book of Luke, you'll discover that he shows that Jesus spent a lot of time talking to the Father and receiving the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit as he did the actions that we saw Jesus do. So really, the book of Acts and the other Gospels were the acts of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. But as we move into Acts, we're going to see that the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit is now with the church. It says, in my first book, and I, I just think it's important for all of us to understand that. There are tons of stories previously on the Bible kind of stuff that you'll see loaded into each chapter. The second important thing, and I want you to see in verses one through five is this, is that there is a promise for the people who would continue the story. So Jesus was on the earth. We're going to see today that he's going to be ascending into heaven. But there's a group of people that are still here after Jesus leaves. And there is a promise for everyone that sticks around. Whoever is a part of the continued story, which, by the way, you're a part of the continuing story. And there's a promise for those new believers, and that promise is also for us. There was more to be added to the story. In the Gospels, the story of Jesus living in the power of the Spirit, and the book of Acts is the story of the church living in the power of the Spirit. Okay, let's keep going. Verse number six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. These are Jesus' last words before he takes off. Now, I want you to catch this. The disciples are expecting one thing. For them, Jesus was the center of every story. He was the one doing the miracles. He was the one preaching to the crowds. So they're like, okay, now that you're back, you've rose from the dead, what are you going to do next, Jesus? 
And they're essentially saying, is uh, all the prophecies of the Old Testament going to happen now? What are you going to do? Now, in the other Gospels, you'll see that Jesus told them he wasn't going to stick around. The Holy Spirit was coming. But their mindset was so fixed, it was going to be the way it was before. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't worry about end times. Don't worry about all the big stuff down the road. What you need to do next is you need to get ready for the power that I'm going to send you because now you're going to do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to do it. So he said, you're going to do it. And this is where we now move into verse number eight, where it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you've got a paper Bible, circle that whole verse. If you've got an electronic version, highlight it right now. Because I want you to consider that Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the whole rest of the book rests on that verse. Because Jesus is saying, this is going to happen. And then everything that, that we're going to see later on came back to that promise. And that promise is for you and for me. He says, you're going to receive power. You're going to become witnesses. You're going to tell people about Jesus. It starts with you, but it's going to go everywhere. I have a, a whiteboard with me, a massive whiteboard. I love it. Anybody that's taught is like, oh, this is good because I can do whatever I want. I can even make stuff up while I'm preaching here today. But I want you to catch Jesus essentially says, hey, listen, it's going to be Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. What he says is whatever starts that starting point, that ground zero in Jerusalem, when the power comes, is going to work its way outward. He says it's not going to stay in one spot. It's going to move outward. It's going to go geographically to every place on the planet. I am not interested in just the people that already know. I want the gospel to be preached by you all over the world. And you will see throughout the rest of the book of Acts the story of how that comes true. You're going to see it start in Jerusalem, but move its way around the world. You're going to get on a boat and go across the seas and see a shipwreck. You're going to hear about the story and missionary gospel journeys into other lands. Geographically, it goes to other people and not just to Jews. It's going to reach everyone because God cares not just about you and your own tribe, but he cares about every person on the planet. Can I get an amen to that? And so you see, you see it going outward. The other thing I want you to catch is that this movement of the spirit, the power of the spirit, isn't just a geographical thing for the, the church globally but it's also something that happens within the individual because you're going to see the character development of individuals in these stories where the Holy Spirit comes and he keeps transforming people. It's not just a one-time event. It keeps happening over and over and over again. The power of that, by the way, is if you know Jesus and you've come to faith, the story's not over for you. It's to be continued. There's still ongoing work that God's going to do in your life. Think of the apostle Peter, okay? Luke begins to shift from disciples to apostles in his language because there's a new era in the, in the kingdom of God called the church that's coming. And those disciples become the first leaders over all of the church. But Peter, man, he was around with Jesus. 
He did some amazing things. He declared that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, man, you didn't get that from yourself. God's speaking to you. And then later on, Peter, he messes up and he denies Jesus in the, in the crucifixion story. And then Jesus restores him. We find that out in John chapter 21 and two. There's a spot where Jesus restores Peter. Peter's going through a lot of change over time. It wasn't a one-time event. How many know following Jesus and transformation is not a one-time event? We're going through change. And by the time we get into the book of Acts, we're going to see in a few moments, he gets up and he preaches and he brings the first new converts into the church. The very first preacher of it. But a few chapters later, all of a sudden, God has to knock him upside the head because he's got racism in his heart. And he, won't, he doesn't want to talk to Gentiles. He's a Jew. I'm not allowed to talk to him. So God sends him a vision. And now he's got to change again. Here's my point today. Just because you're 50, none of your business years old. Just because you're, you've been serving the Lord for a long time doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is done working inside of you. What he does in here is going to keep working out there. And I say, Lord, keep doing it. Keep doing it in my life. Keep doing it in my church's life. Keep doing it in my family's life so that we're continuously being led and chained by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? All right. We need to keep moving. Verse number nine. After saying this, Jesus, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, this is the very end of what we see Jesus physically on the earth. Luke puts it in there for a reason. All these disciples that had watched him, they needed to see him go because there's a tendency to rest on another figure for, for the responsibility of the mission. There's a tendency in the church to let the pastor do it. There's a tendency in families to let mom do it. There's a tendency to uh, uh, export responsibility to other people all the time. And so, no, there's going to be this moment where they see Jesus ascend into heaven. It's called the ascension. It's that moment when Jesus leaves the earth. And they're standing there and they're like, oh man, this stinks. But this is the very beginning of the to be continued story. Jesus has to go so that the next part of the story can begin. And it's a greater part of the story. It's Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, working in his church. There's a powerful moment here. And by the way, that's the hope for all of us as, as believers. Our hope is this isn't the best life the next one is. Our hope is no matter how bad it gets, Jesus is coming back. Our hope is that there's a blessed hope it talks about in the scripture, that there is a peace that Jesus leaves with us until he comes back. So between this point in history and the point that he returns, I'm okay because I know he's with me now and he's coming back to get me someday. So when you look at the world events around you, you're like, where's things going? And you're like the disciples. What's the next thing? Jesus is going to say, well, don't worry about those things. The end times, they're going to happen. 
There's going to be signs and wonders, and there's going to be rumors of war and all kinds of things. But Jesus had said already in Matthew that, hey, listen, those are just the beginning of birth pains. Don't get so off course that you forget that Jesus is coming back. The point isn't who the Antichrist is and when there's going to be a one world government or anything else. The point is the church better be looking for Jesus when he does come back. We better have eyes on him, not on the Antichrist. Come on, somebody. That's where we need to focus. Yeah. The rest of chapter one, you see that they still had some decisions to make. In the leadership team, there was, there was a, a loss. Judas was now dead. And you can read more about that story in the Gospels, but now they had to make a decision. And even though they were hurting and, and in their grief, um, they had to make a decision and they chose uh, a, a replacement. His name was Matthias. And I just want to say this to you. Even when we walk through seasons of grief or difficulty or loss, we still got to make decisions. You know, that's what, that's what we have to do. And that's the, the hope of the believer and the responsibility of the believer. Even if you don't feel like it, you need to get up and keep moving. Some people get stuck in trauma. We get stuck in our moments of loss. We get stuck in our moments of grief. But let me just say this. If you're following Jesus, you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep going. You got to keep going and know that Jesus is with you and you got to make the choices and decisions you need to make and you can do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can do it. <laughs> All right, we're going to turn the corner in chap into chapter two. Before we do that, I want you to think about the memes that came out in 2021. This whole moment of lockdown and people being at home and everything else, all these memes came out and it was like how it started and how it's going, right? And uh, I've got a few of them that I just want to show you today. Uh, how it started, <laughs> uh, I love that, you know, I'm going to write a book and how's it going? I haven't written a word yet, right? All right, keep going. How, how it started, how it's going, started as a little kid in a plane and now is a pilot. Isn't that something, how our kids grow up? It's amazing. Last week, um, it was fun for me. I got to, to hear some of our youth pastors preach around. Wasn't that awesome? I, the youth pastors in each of our locations did such an amazing job. Second service, I went up to, to Elk River, and I got to watch my son Jeff preaching. And I would, you know, I'm sitting there as a parent. I'm like, I remember when you were a toddler running around on the platform, and I was the youth pastor, and now I'm watching you preach, and how it started, how it's going, right? All right, next one. Uh, yeah, got the teddy bear. Now the teddy bear's in the dump truck. All right. <laughs> and next one, here's Leonardo. And uh, how many of this was you? Me at the start of 2020. And the, I never saw more beards in my life than I did in 2020. This guy started growing out these big, huge Duck Dynasty beards and stuff. And crazy. Well, this is what I want you to consider. Chapter two of Acts is an incredible way to look at the church, how it started. We're going to see how it's going as we go forward. There's no organizational church at this point. The disciples, we now call apostles in Acts, they weren't powerful people yet. They were the guy that served the person that was powerful. The hero has left a team and Jesus is gone. And there's no continued in Jesus' story. He's left. But chapter 2 is where everything begins to change. And Jesus gives them instructions to go and wait, and they obeyed. By the way, good things happen to those who obey. 
When we obey Jesus, good things happen. So let's look at what happens. Verse one, chapter two of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and the province of Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all. So this whole little passage here begins with the day of Pentecost. It was a harvest festival that the Jews had. It was like a holiday, a national holiday that happened to also be uh, uh, commemorated on the day of, of, of when Jesus died. That was the moment that Jesus died. And, and, and when he died, if you think about the story, 50 days after that is this moment. 50 meaning penta. Penta is 50. So it's 50 days later and this celebration after the Passover or the, after Jesus' death as well, people from all over the world were coming for this celebration. So they were coming by ship, by car, by plane, whatever it would have been in those days. And they were coming in and they were in town. And as they were in town, they were not native people from Jerusalem. So they were coming in, thinking and speaking in their own languages. Meanwhile, in this upper room, this group of people are obeying Jesus. And they don't know what's going to happen. It's not like Jesus said, hey, uh, pray in the spirit, sing three songs, uh, share a word in a testament. They didn't have any of the stuff that we now think of with church. They were just in a room. So we don't know exactly if they were singing, if they were praying. We just don't know. They were just obeying. And by the way, obedience is, is a better th thing to get God's attention than anything. Uh, just because you can't sing doesn't mean that you can't get God's attention. You can get God's attention if you just obey him. Come on, somebody. You just obey him, all right? So we don't know what's going on here. But this moment comes in. And it's an incredible moment where natural senses were impacted by the supernatural. You see here that the senses were impacted. There was a sound like a roaring, mighty windstorm filling the house. It was a couple years ago. Uh, we had a major storm come through in the Twin Cities on Sunday morning during church. Some of you might remember it. I lived in Blaine. Our whole city was just riddled with hail. It looked like somebody came through with a machine gun and hit everybody's house and, and the winds were super strong. And I happened to be that morning driving out into, uh, I went, uh, Emmanuel Spring Lake Park at nine o'clock or 
vice versa, the Maple Grove. And I was going back and forth. And I remember the storm clouds and I remember the craziness. And I remember getting a call from my son, Tim, who was at home in the basement. And he's like, dad, it's a legit tornado going on. And you could hear a in the background. And, uh, and later on, by the way, he, he took a video of it and I put it up on my Facebook and, and, uh, those like 6,000 people looked at it. They're like, Whoa, that is crazy. You're seeing things go sideways out in our backyard and, and, uh, and the hail and that kind of thing. Here's the point. When that noise is going on, everyone takes notice. So you're in that room, you're hearing it. It's not like your AirPods could drown it out. Noise canceling doesn't work in this moment. It's affecting your hearing. When the spirit moves, he touches your senses. Yes, your physical senses sometimes, not just your internal emotional world. He also does the senses. And then there's a visual. It looked like there were flames of fire. Now, it doesn't say there were actually flames or tongues of fire on people. It just it kind of looked like it. That's the best way they could describe it. It affected their visual way of seeing things. And then speech was impacted. And this is the first moment. It's not just external to the people. Something is happening on the inside. God begins to give them languages to speak in that they didn't learn growing up. There was something about that moment where this, the supernatural happened. And this is the first sign of of what God is doing in the people. What it said, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And that's when the domino begins to fall outside the church. The senses and everything were affected inside the church, but the change outside was when the people began to speak. See, people outside change when you change. When they see something going on in you, it impacts people. That's when the domino falls. And they begin to ask questions. What's going on? They're speaking our languages. They're speaking our language. We don't understand what's going on. And of course, there are some cynics in the crowd that say, eh, they're just drunk. They're just crazy people. How many of you, you've got people in your life, you're pretty sure they call you a crazy person behind your back. You're a Christ follower. You go to church all the time. Why are you doing that? They say that you're crazy. That's what's going on here. People have different opinions about what's going on. And of course, not everyone was drunk. <laughs> but there's this idea that different people observe different things. It's more about what's going on on the inside of you. And I want you to consider what happens next. We're going to continue in chapter two here, but I, I want you to consider the result of the incredible supernatural experience. The, how is it going from this moment? And let me give you the first thing to to consider. When God moves in you, he will also speak through you. When God moves in you, he will also speak through you. In other words, this work of God in you isn't just for you. Last week, I talked about what's in it for me, faith, two weeks ago. And I was talking about how we can't just be focused on ourselves all the time. Well, let me tell you this. When God's spirit moves in you, it's not about you. It is about you and God is changing you, but it will always come through you. You're going, to, you're going to be used to speak. Peter is one of those people. He stands up and he begins to preach to the crowd. Look at verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. 
No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will what? Prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. And the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a powerful moment in here. And we'll talk more about it tonight. We're going to have an opportunity at the Holy Spirit service to go even deeper into this particular part of the story and what's available for us. But I want you to know God's heartbeat is to always continue to reach people who are away from Jesus. What do you see? God's moving amongst the apostles. Finally, the Holy Spirit came. The very next thing you see, they're preaching to the crowd. It's not about what happened in the upper room. It's about what happens next. What's to be continued? Listen, Christians who become selfish about the gifts of the Spirit, the movement of the Spirit, the touch of God for themselves will not continuously be used of God if they don't begin to preach Jesus to the world that is around them. It's not about you. It's about the world around you. That's what it's about. And furthermore, what, do, what does Peter preach? He gets up, he knows his audience, he speaks to their issues, he knows some of them are cynics, so he addresses their questions and their issues, but he also quotes from Joel, the book of Joel, one of the Old Testament prophecies about this moment. He preaches the word that's already in him. He preaches from something that the Holy Spirit will use whatever you read. Whatever you've been putting into this head and you're reading the word daily, when you get out there and you're going to be used of the Spirit, he'll draw from what you're reading. The Holy Spirit is not instead of the word. The Holy Spirit works with the word. You and I need to read the Bible because the more the Bible we have, the more ammunition we give the Holy Spirit in the moment that we need to communicate Jesus to the world around us. Come on, somebody. You and I need to be readers of the word. That's what the Holy Spirit uses to communicate. And then he begins to preach to the crowd. And this is how he ends his message in verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Woo! He preaches the word. He, he correctly assesses what's going on in the generation around. And he says, save yourselves, come to Jesus. You're listening to me today. I don't think I have to convince you that we live in a crooked generation. And let me tell you, the gospel is still true for us today. If you're away from Jesus, save yourself by turning your life to Jesus. 
That's the best way you can do it. You can trust him with your whole life. We need to follow Jesus with everything in us, but it begins somewhere. Peter preached the first gospel message after Jesus ascended, and he said the same thing that's relevant today. You can be saved. You can give your life to Christ. He can forgive you of your sins, and it can happen now. That day, 3,000 people came into the kingdom. So this guy who had denied Jesus because of the power of the Spirit was now leading 3,000 people to, to Christ. That's an empowerful moment. So what was the result of the incredible supernatural experience? What the Holy Spirit does in him? Now he was talking it out. Secondly, when the Spirit moves, he connects you to the church. He connects you to the church. So beyond that moment, there is a connection to how the Spirit will continuously move, and it's in relationship to the rest of the church. Did you know this, is, this moment is the birthday of the church? This is when the church was born. It moved from a group of, a small group of people in an upper room to the church. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Emmanuel. Happy birthday to you. We're, we're a church. It's only the spirit that would pull us together. Only the Spirit of God would draw us together. We're the called out ones. Only the Spirit would pick the people in your row to be in your row. You wouldn't hang out with those people any other way except by the Spirit of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay, I really do like you. But beyond this moment, God's intention is to continue to work through us as we are connected to the church. There is no speaking of the Spirit without also speaking of the church. And there is no speaking of the church without also speaking of the Spirit. There are some who want the Spirit without the church. They're ready to ditch on bad church leaders and corruption. And they, you know what, by the way, when you see corruption come out in any organization, government, or even the church, it's the Spirit exposing it. Because the Spirit doesn't want sin in the church. He's not, not going to let it go on forever. All right? But there are some that are like, I'm done with organized Christianity. I just want the Spirit on my own. And listen, you can get Holy Spirit in your house. But as you journey along, and you want to get a word from God, and you want the strength and the help in your time of need, the Spirit is going to use the church to minister to your need. And if you separated yourself from the flock, you're separating yourself from the help of the Spirit. You have to be connected to the church. That's how the gifts flow. That's how God reaches and meets his people. That's how he keeps the church together. On the other end of the pendulum, there are also people who love tradition, and they love rules and they love history and they love institution they love the church but they have no power they've removed themselves from the spirit no the church can't do anything without the spirit you try to do things right and just do it by ritual and try to have all your rules but you don't have the spirit you're gonna lose now both need to be together the Spirit, and the church. And this is what happens when the church comes together. Look at the end of the chapter, 
verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What was the result of this incredible supernatural experience and how is it going? Number three, when the Spirit moves, everything is to be continued. It's not over. When the Spirit moves, there's always something going on in the body. There's always some need going on. Somebody's hurting. Somebody died in a family. Somebody's going through a loss of a job. Somebody's going through an experience that they can't control. There's always different things at different times. Anytime I get up to preach on a Sunday, I know that I've got people that are happy because somebody got married yesterday and I got people who are sad because somebody died yesterday. But listen, when the church gathers together, the Holy Spirit works in all of us to meet each other's needs in a miraculous way. All the believers gathered together and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals. Think about that. They're devoted to teaching the Word. They're committed to the Word. Listen, let me just say this, church. As long as you hear me, you're a part of the Emmanuel family, or even if you're curious, don't just trust what I say. Trust this thing. Trust the Bible. And anything I say that you don't agree with, look at the Bible. You have my permission to disagree with me as long as you're following the Word. The New Testament church could make it through perilous times because they were committed to the Word. They were committed to fellowship. They were taking care of each other. I hope we continue to have meals with each other after services in between during the weeks. I hope that we have more relationship than just theater Christianity. My dream is for us to be beyond that. And they, then they were generous. They were courageously generous. How did the New Testament church, you know what they're They didn't have a tithe. They gave everything. How many are thankful for the tithe? <laughs> but listen, this is the thing that we can have in our day and age. Because we tithe, we give God the first 10%. We don't give the church that. It's not an offering. It's saying to God, I trust you. When I trust you with the tithe, I then can trust you to go beyond the tithe courageously, to meet needs of other people to be generous, to care for others. That's why I love what God is doing in Kingdom Builders in our church. You know what God is doing year by year? We've gone year by year from 400,000 to, to 800,000 to 1.1 to 1.5 million year to year to year, taking care of local people that need their mouths fed, need a bed for their family. We're taking care of people around the world that are in crisis. You are, and I are in this thing together. And you know who's generating that? The Holy Spirit. And because we trust in God for our own families and we trust in God for our own needs and we courageously lean in, gather together, worship, listen to the Word of God, God begins to generate new ideas. We become aware of needs and God meets the needs around us through His church. The Spirit is doing that. And then they would regularly 
approach the throne in prayer together. One of the things you'll see throughout Acts is you'll see phrases like, at the time of prayer, when they were going to pray together, it's just a regular rhythm. Because we don't know what's next, it's always to be continued. We have to continue to lean into the Spirit. And when one brother or sister goes through difficult times in the book of Acts, you'll see stories like people thrown into prison, things that they couldn't control, government that was in charge. They didn't have a military uprising. They didn't try to overflow the government. They gathered together in prayer. And then God shook the earth and opened prison doors simply because their means of battling things was in prayer. The Spirit continued to work in the church because the church continued to pray. Church, if there's anything that we can do in this day and age, we need to get back together and pray. If we don't even preach and we don't even worship, but we pray together, God can move in the church. If we could begin to say, God, I don't know what to do, but my way of dealing with things is to approach the throne. I'm going over their head and I'm praying, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that God is raising up Emmanuel to be an outpost of the kingdom of God in the middle of a world of chaos. God has called us to be a place that when we gather together, we're not perfect people. We come in at different points of our story. We're all wanting to be transformed by the power of the Spirit and follow the leadership of the Spirit. And we're just believing God's going to do something great in this day and this hour. When we're down and we're in trouble, he's going to be the one that walks through the valley of the shadow of death with us. And we don't need to fear because he's with us. God is with us because the Spirit is with us in the church. Can I get an amen to that? In every season. Would you stand with me today? Another miracle happened. Second service work two. I got through two chapters of Acts in one sermon. That's a miracle for me, you guys, because I love preaching Acts chapter 2. Uh, and tonight is going to be powerful. We're going to be able to actually take the word and say, Lord, would you move in our church again? So wherever you're at, if you're with us in Elk River or Maple Grove or Lakeville or online or in Spring Lake Park, we're all gathering together tonight at 6 o'clock. And we're just going to wait on the Lord for the sights, the sounds and the movement of the Spirit in our midst. And I'm encouraged because God's not done. It's still to be continued in our lives. Can I get an amen to that? So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God begins and continues to move in us, ignite us. And then when I'm done, our worship teams are going to lead us in worship and take us to the throne. Just throw your hands up to heaven if you would. Father, we just come before you and we thank you. We thank you, God, that Lord that your word is living and active. It is powerful. And the story is still moving forward. We thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us alone. But Lord, you left us with the promise of the Spirit. So we're waiting on you today. We're being obedient and we're looking your direction. And we're saying, oh God, would you come and do in this church what you did in the first church? God, on this your birthday, 
the church's birthday. I pray, oh God, that you would send the wind, that you would send the fire, that you would ignite our hearts, that we'd be passionate with the things that you're passionate about, that you'd wake up those that are asleep, that you would stir us with the things that we need to be stirred with, that you give hope that need hope, that you give joy to those that need joy, that you give peace to those that need peace, and we would know you, Lord God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Have your way in your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.